It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now... Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two. JT right here in beautiful Las Vegas on what feels like a summer day. If you were out tailgating Sunday at the Raider game, you had to love it. The cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal sports page. Finally, a finish. Raiders hold strong in fourth quarter to earn their first win of the season. And they were able to do that, led by Josh Jacobs, who had a magnificent game. 144 yards, two touchdowns on the day. And he was a catalyst for the Raiders. The running game, the running of Derek Carr, and the ability to be physical and grind out a win that way. And they're going to have to be physical to get back into the season. Uh, we will not talk playoffs until this team gets back anywhere near 500. And they'll have a chance to do it. But the Kansas City Chiefs are looming next. I thought Kansas City would have lost last night. I like Tampa Bay going into that game. I thought Tampa Bay winning that game would have put Kansas City at 2-2 two and two with the Chargers, Denver, and the Raiders. Yesterday could have been a disaster, everybody, if the Raiders lost. Denver would have won in the division. So would the Chargers and Kansas City. And that pretty much would have been the death knell of the team. I mean, they would have had a chance to fight back into the season and have a competitive season. But the Raiders could not afford to be the only team to lose in the AFC West yesterday. And they grinded it out and they won. So we'll have some of Josh McDaniel's press conference coming up here in a little bit. National news in the NFL, John Harbaugh is getting a lot of heat because he didn't go for a three-point field goal to possibly win the game uh, down the stretch on a fourth and goal. They decided to go for it. They didn't get it. Buffalo came down the field and won with a field goal. So John Harbaugh is getting more heat than he's ever gotten in Baltimore at all that I can remember here because his defense was pretty upset with him there. He showed no confidence in his defense. And that really is the big trending story. Here's John Harbaugh from yesterday. Here's what he said after the Wolves were at the door. The Baltimore media was all over him after that 23-20 to loss to the Bills. I felt like it gave us the best chance to win the game because seven, the worst that happens is if they go down the field and score, and I think we'll get them stopped. But if they go down the field and score a touchdown, the worst thing that can happen is that you're in overtime. But... You kick a field goal there, now it's not a three-down game anymore. It's a four-down game. You're, you're putting them out there. You're putting your defense at a disadvantage because they've got four downs to convert all the way down the field and a chance to, again, score seven, and then you, you lose the game on a touchdown. So then the worst thing, the other thing, you think you're going to get the ball to the two-yard line. So I'm very confident in our defense. Defense's ability to stop them down there with the ball on the two-yard line. So we got them backed up. If we don't get it, it didn't turn out that way, unfortunately, and we lost the game. So hindsight, you could take the points. But... If you look at it analytically, I understand why we did it. Yeah, I don't understand why they did it. They weren't playing well. They weren't scoring. You take the three points and let your defense go win the game. He had no confidence in his defense. So that's a tough time for him there in Baltimore. I think it's one of the better teams out there. I think, really, if you look at the analytics, fourth and goal at the Bills, two. Win probability going for it, 73.5. Kicking the field goal, 69.7. With the ESPN win probability 
analytics, but, I mean, are we doing analytics now? Is that what we're doing? Take the three points and go play defense, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, Raiders played well. I thought the Raiders' defense at times got big stops. Max Crosby is a bleeping beast. He's an absolute beast. Whenever he is ready to roll, he never takes a playoff. I thought Chandler Jones played well. Denzel Perryman's in concussion protocol. He had a couple big plays in the game. Nate Hobbs got beat early with the slant routes, but then he jumped in there and played well. So who played the best? Who had good games, average games? Why not bring in Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, as he called the game, right up there at Allegiant Stadium. And Harry, much needed win. Mi amigo, they had to have that win. They got it. Now we can talk about stacking wins down the road. How are you? Dream fantastic, JT. It's always better to be out here on a victory Monday instead of one after a defeat, and especially at this kicking off the season with three defeats. Getting this win was huge for the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium, and being able to do so the way they did, putting 32 points on the board against a team that was averaging 12 points against in their first three games, that was huge, and against a very good defense. Harry, I got to ask you what you think of the pass rush early. You had a great call on a Max Crosby sack. Did you see pressure? I'm not seeing a lot of pressure from the interior. Haven't broke down all the film yet, but on the edge I'm seeing Max, and I saw a lot more activity from Chandler Jones. How'd you see it? Yeah, Chandler was close in a couple of occasions to being able to get his first sack in the silver and black. It didn't happen, but at the end of the day, Max Crosby, in my opinion, he's not a star for the Raiders. He's a star in the NFL, and the Raiders, they hit a jackpot getting him in this squad, and I think it's just going to be complimentary. As Max keeps getting closer to the quarterback, that's going to open more doors to Chandler Jones to eventually be able to get his own sacks, but the pressures were there. Russell Wilson, there were times that he was just trying to get rid of the ball because if he didn't do so, he would get sacked, and the Raiders, after having two sacks in their first three games, they had three sacks yesterday at, at the Death Star, and that's big for the silver and black and that also helps out a lot your cornerbacks and your linebackers trying to cover great uh, skill players like a court like a Cortland Sutton like a Jerry Judy uh, Javante Williams who unfortunately got hurt of course as well but that that's huge for the Raiders that the defensive line is doing their job eventually I think too the interior is going to start getting through that pressure as well Harry Ruiz is our guest. Harry, I'm real concerned about the middle of the field. I am. I think there's wide open, soft coverage over the middle, anywhere from about 11 yards to 19 yards between the linebackers and the safety. If you're going to play a zone like that and you're not going to tighten up those windows in the zones, other teams are looking at the film. Patrick Mahomes the type of guy who can exploit that all day. Absolutely, and that's been the big uh, situation for the Raiders, the big plays that Heck, you were there in my booth a little bit after the Raiders got converted on first and 25 to be able to move down the field and score a touchdown, and the Broncos ended up putting the score in just within reach with two points. But those big plays are the big situation for this defense right now. And, yeah, they definitely got to get those loose screws and tighten them up and be able to get those young linebackers like uh, Divine Diablo who was in there in the second half. Denzel Perryman ended up getting hurt, but we know that his strength is in coverage, but he has been working on it. And the Raiders' defense, what I've liked is that they've haven't been uh, abused by another team. They haven't been completely demolished by another team. They've been able to maintain it, and we saw it like yesterday. If the Raiders are able to put 30 points on the scoreboard, 
they're more than likely going to be able to win a game. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Yeah, I didn't think this was going to be a game where the Raiders got into the 30s because of Denver's passing defense and their overall run-stuffing defense and points. They're only giving up 12-plus points a game. And the reason why the Raiders were able to do that is to get field goals when Derek Carr was running instead of Derek Carr throwing the ball away. My biggest criticism, which is not many, but the big one with Derek is when he throws the ball out of bounds and he doesn't, I don't want to say throw it into coverage. I'm good with that. But a lot of times when he throws the ball away, other quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, they run. They don't see anybody open. They don't throw it away. They take off and get two or three or four critical yards, and they move the sticks up or they get better and down in distance. I think a light went off with Derek yesterday. He was aware of that. He was aware of down in distance. And when no one was open, he took off instead of waiting to throw the ball away. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I love what Josh McDaniel said after the game as well, that the, there's teams that aren't really focused on Derek Carr as a threat running the football. Well, guess what? Use that in your favor. And Derek Carr used it in his favor yesterday, moving the sticks multiple times, carrying the ball 40 yards. He did his job in the pocket, and when that pocket collapsed, he was able to take a step or two forward and get those yards and extend the drives for the Raiders. That that was something we spoke about last week, JT. We wanted a complete game, but at the end of the day, those three losses, if they had had one better series instead of just one half during a game, the Raiders could have won any of those three games. Now they played a more complete game. They got closer to being able to play a complete game, and that's why they ended up winning against the Denver Broncos. And Derek Carr was a huge part of that, running the football. Yeah, Harry Ruiz is our guest as we wrap it up. Tell me about Nate Hobbs and what you saw with Amik Robertson, because I thought Amik was getting worked at points in that game, and I thought that Russell Wilson was going to continue to go back at him and go away from Hobbs. That was an important moment in the game on his scoop and score. It built momentum. I thought he played better coverage defense after that, Harry. Yeah, I thought it was going to be, honestly, a weakness for the Raiders having to put Amik in the spot that they put him covering Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy. But at the end of the day, this is what makes players in the NFL. Practice is good, but once you put them in the game and they're able to get that competition against some some of the best players, that's going to get the Raiders into a great spot to be able to help the players grow, to be able to put them in a position where they're learning on the field. And Amik Robertson, we saw him grow in that game. And whenever Rocky Hussein comes back, you're going to have three great options right there. And these three guys, and Anthony Averitt, he's going to return from the IR eventually after the bye week. So the Raiders' cornerback room, of course, they've been injured. But right now, Amik Robertson, he's growing into himself by being on the field the same way that Nate Hobbs did last year in the preseason, in the regular season. He grew, and he became the player he is because he was going against the top competition in the NFL. All right, so, Harry, we have you on Mondays. I want to get ahead of this Kansas City game. I'm going to preview it starting tomorrow, but we have you here today. So let's get ahead of it. It's been misdirection nightmares for me for most of my 24 years with the team, where Kansas City plays the Raiders, they start a play to the right, they bring it back to the left. No one's there for the Raiders. Listeners to my shows know I talk about that till I'm blue in the face. Every Kansas City game, it's about discipline to do your job, cover your section of the field, because Mahomes will come back to your section of the field if you're undisciplined and you bite on the run and he will exploit you. They don't have Tyreek Hill. Are you optimistic they could slow down Travis Kelsey and then maybe get into a running game with them and Carr can win late in the game with a big touchdown? How do you see this game playing out? 
it's definitely going to be a tough game, and I think they found the recipe to how be be able to control the possession of the game by using one of their best weapons, Josh Jacobs, yesterday. You fed him the ball. He was able to move the chains. He was able to get two scores in the game mm-hmm. against the Broncos. And if you do that against the Chiefs and don't let them to be on the field as often as possible, but that also, JT, that means that you can't be getting three field goals no. in the red zone. You need to be getting seven points when you get the ball inside the 20 of the opponents because Kansas City, we saw it last night. They put the pedal to the metal. They don't take their foot off the gas. They keep going and going and going. So that means the Raiders' offense, they can't get get satisfied with three points. They need to get seven. And it's definitely going to be a tough game, but I'm maintaining myself cautiously optimistic because a win by the Raiders, that's what they needed against the Broncos. And now their confidence level is up. And if they get a win against the Chiefs, the, danger, the Raiders can be dangerous in this league. Yeah, last one, Harry. Uh, are you concerned about Waller after the drops in this game? Not an explosive game again, that he's not getting the separation. The chemistry is not there. We saw it with Devontae. He's got three touchdowns. This is more of a running attack in this game with Josh Jacobs. But it's time to get Waller going here. We're through four games this season. He got the bag of cash. He's a n- nasty nightmare matchup. He's got to show up in Kansas City and have like a 9-10 reception game along with Devontae if the Raiders are going to have a chance to open up that field and give Carr the ability to win in the fourth quarter. I'll be completely honest. I'm not happy with the last two games, but at the same time, I'm not concerned because Mm -hmm. we know the quality of player that he is. And it's just going to take something like Matt Collins against the Titans, where out of nowhere, he had a 158-yard game. And that's something that can happen with Darren Waller in a blink of an eye, where Derek Carr, he has a lot of confidence in his tight end. They practice together more often than he used to with Devontae Adams because he's his teammate. And Derek Carr and and Darren Waller, they have that connection. And it's just a matter of being able to focus on what he needs to do. And I trust that Darren Waller is going to be able to become that player that we know he already is. Yeah, I think that's a good way of suggesting that, that Waller will have these games where he'll just pop up and be explosive and everything will change. Harry, as always, good to hear you. Good to see you yesterday. You do great work, and we'll hear you on all your different platforms. You're a busy guy, man. Keep it going. Keep grinding the way you're supposed to at at this stage of your career. I'm really proud of you. No, thank you, JT. You're a big part of it, man. You've always been there for me, so you know I'm here for you whenever you need it, brother. You got it. Thank you. You got it. Harry Ruiz, who... Uh, I like him on the show. He gives a really good perspective because he calls the game. We have the play-by-play voices on. Jason Horowitz on Tuesday, Harry Ruiz on Monday. And looking forward to talking to Harry off the Kansas City game or before that as we got a busy week right here in front of us. Busy week celebrating that victory. When the Raiders win, they're in the news. You look up on NFL Live, you look up on NFL Network, and they're talking about the Raiders. And if the Raiders didn't win this game, man, oh, I can't imagine what the league would be doing to them today. If they were the only team without a win and they were 0-4, everyone around the league would have been stepping on the Raiders' throat today. They got a win. Now it's quieting down a bit. I thought the Josh McDaniels celebration in the locker room was great. When we come back, we're going to play a little bit of that. We have Josh McDaniels' post-game sound from the game. We might be able to play a little bit of his press conference from today if you didn't hear it or see it on Twitter at Raiders.com. And we'll talk to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton at the bottom of the hour. The franchise will go around the NFL with him. Some news and notes. Lee's really good with that and thorough on a Monday as we continue on. We are brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World. 
tonight's Monday Night Football. I'm not there every Monday night, but it's our home of Monday Night Football. Prizes, giveaways, drink specials. Head to Resorts World, get in the elevators, park for free. Yes, free parking. Thank you, Scott Sabella. Then come out of the elevators and you're right there at Doghouse, right next to their theater. And go on in, place a bet, and have a great time. Monday Night Football, our home, is Resorts World. Where's just your trust level with Melvin right now? We didn't see him much before that fumble, and then obviously we didn't see him much after the fumble either. Yeah, you know, I mean, in the end, you can't put the ball on the ground. I mean, that, it's that simple. We, we always say take care of the ball. That's the most important thing. And, you know, it's not like he's trying to do it. We, I mean, we understand that, but we just have to be even better with our ball security. That's Nathaniel Hackett asked about Melvin Gordon's fumble, the scoop and score for Amik Robertson. I thought it was the difference in the game. It was a difference in the game where the Raiders' passing game wasn't explosive. They were running the ball with Josh Jacobs. They needed a defensive touchdown, and they got it. Critical play this year, the defensive play of the year for the Silver and Black, and it got Allegiant Stadium off the hook. For everybody talking about how many Denver fans were there, it was pretty damn loud when the Raiders did something great, and you saw it that that point in the game. Earlier today, Josh McDaniels met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here's a bit of the conversation. You know, looked at the film and um, certainly uh, did some things well enough to to win and um, really proud of the, the group, their effort. Uh, I'd say the entire last week, not just yesterday, but starting on Monday of last week and their resolve and understanding, you know, where we were and what we've had to, what we've had to kind of go through to learn how to do some things a little better here so that we could get a result that we were looking for. So, um Again, it's football far from perfect. A lot of things we can do better. A lot of things we can learn from. Uh, oftentimes, it's more fun to learn when you win than it is when you lose. But um, we're going to learn nonetheless today. So um, good opportunity for us to try to improve our football team, even though we did get a victory, uh, and see how we can make you know ourselves and our team better as we go forward. So the uh, only thing I have to update on relative to injuries is Denzel is in the protocol. So. Uh, we'll be working through that this week, obviously. Josh, uh, after watching the film, what did you learn about the offensive line and specifically uh, what Alex Spars has been able to bring over on the left side? And then playing two rookies over on the right side, yeah. what they were able to, how they've been able to step up to that job. Yeah, um, you know, Alex has is, is, uh, been a consistent uh, contributor to us here the last few weeks, but he's had a great effort, a uh, great mindset and attitude the entire time he's been here and uh, just consistently tries to work at his craft. Um, I think he's, you know, he's given us some dependable play over there. Um, you know, he's he's been pretty physical. Um, you know, the communication on the left side has been pretty good. Um, we didn't have a lot of blown assignments. There was a couple in the game that we're going to have to fix here, but um, generally speaking, I think that's been pretty good. Um, yeah, the two rookies were in there for some important snaps together uh, yesterday, and, and Dylan obviously, ha again, continues to uh, develop um, you know, into the type of player we think he can be um, now moving from, from center to guard you know, and playing basically the entire time yesterday at right guard. So um, give him a lot of credit for being able to, you know, the duality that he's had to deal with already this season in four games is pretty impressive for a young player. 
Um, and then Thayer stepped in there and, again, had two good rushers um, yesterday, you know, really three, uh, four. I mean, however many you want to count out there on the edge, they got good pass rushers. So, um, you know, tried to limit their production. Uh, some of that was with scheme and some of that obviously was with, you know, the ability to, to stay inside out and block them well. So um, I thought they acquitted themselves well and gave us an opportunity there to try to, you know, had two big drives in the fourth quarter, get down there and score some points and try to, you know, get the game into a two-score game twice. So. They did. They did their job. <clears throat> Obviously, I don't. I'm not questioning effort, but on Chandler Jones getting in the stat sheet, he's not getting mm -hmm. there. But again, efforts there. How concerned are you about that? He's making a lot of plays that don't show up in the stat, and, I, and that's probably going to be, a, you know, a, you know, a, not, not good enough for everybody that, to to listen to. Um, but, you know, making plays in a running game, uh, drew multiple holding penalties yesterday. I mean, there's, there's ways to, to produce and there's way to impact the game uh, beyond just the, the one column, you know, that everybody's looking for. So I uh, thought he and Max, uh, Cleveland, uh, Malcolm, you know, Bilal, I thought there was a lot of different things going on up front yesterday where we created some negativity uh, offensively for them with some of our effort, the way we were playing. We didn't always make the tackle or we didn't always get the sack or the TFL, but um, we created it for somebody else to have it, you know. And so Chandler's an unselfish guy, you know, and, and uh, he understands what his role is. And um, nobody would want to, you know, have more of those than Chandler would. But he also is not going to sit here and get frustrated with lack of those production stats. Um, he was in there. Russell felt him some yesterday for sure. And like I said, he, he drew a few holding calls that were important in the game. So, um, you know, I think impact is sometimes, if you look at it and measure it just by the one column, you can kind of, you can misjudge it a little bit. Um, I like the way he's playing. I like the effort he's playing with. And, and I think those will come. Josh Jacobs had a good day overall yesterday, but it seemed like he had a lot of success running between the tackles. What did you see from the guys on the interior and clearing yeah. the pass from the run through there? Yeah, um, you know, Denver usually does a pretty good job of setting the edge on the defense. JJ had a couple bounce outs that I think were okay, were, were pretty productive, but uh, we knew we were going to have to try to make some hay inside, um, you know, and I thought he did a really good job of being patient as a runner. Um, we had some really good double teams inside to try to create space for him inside. Um, you know, and those guys were, were working hard to do that. Um, we can do a few things, I think, to help him out even more inside. You know, we had some space, but I think there's some things we can clean up today. But all in all, I thought we had a hat and a hat. And, you know, usually when we get him a full head of steam and an opportunity to hit the line of scrimmage without somebody at his legs, you know, he just inertia takes over, you know, and, and he makes yards. So, um, and he's hard to tackle. So, he, again, getting him started, getting him going early in the game, I think was a big focus for us. And, um, you know, and I thought he, he carried that through to the end. Josh, aside from the um, obvious the, the results difference when you're in the red zone and scoring TDs versus field goals, take, take the result out of it, is there a common theme um, that you're detecting on, on, the, on the times that you're not able to put it over the goal line? It's really the red zone comes down to detail and execution. Um, and I think that's really anybody. You know, you can talk about any team, offense or defense. Um, you know, if you if you execute, it's hard down there. There's less space. You know, there's more bodies. Um, some teams are do more. You know, to try to uh, create confusion or or tighten down throwing lanes or get more bodies in the box in a running game. So. Whatever you're doing down there, it's not. It's certainly never going to be easy, you know. And so it requires 11 guys offensively to do the right thing. Um, 
there is absolutely no shortage of opportunities for us to finish and put the ball in the end zone. Uh, and again, I, I keep saying the same thing. I I look at it and and it's it feels like a negative, but to me, it's it's a positive that. We know what we need to do better, and the minute we start doing it better consistently, I feel like the results will change. And so I think that's the message to our football team in that area. Uh, there's going to be some other things that we're going to talk about too, you know, where, you know, progress is, is painful sometimes, you know. Uh, you look at it, you identify what the issue is, and then you try to find the solution. Once you find the solution, now we got to work at it and get consistently good at it uh, in practice. And then once we do it in the game, I think, you know, you come out of a game and you're five for five in the red zone, it's going to feel it's gonna feel pretty good. And you're going to want to do that again. So, um, you know, we, we had, I mean, we're this close on a couple things. And uh, such is life in the NFL against a good defense. So we're going to have to do a little better. All right, that's Josh McDaniels, a portion of his press conference. I'm sure Q will have. Some sound bites, whatever anybody wants to do. I think more Josh McDaniels is good, especially coming off a victory there. So we hope you enjoyed that. He's a teacher. He's constantly teaching. They're trying to instill their plan for their vision for football within this organization. One of the things we've preached on this show is the access that I have with the coach. And when I get a chance to hear behind closed doors with him is his plan. I had unbelievable access with Coach Gruden and Del Rio and other coaches before. They all have a plan. Some plans work better. This plan is the Patriot way coming over here to do it at that level. That button-down level, tremendous work ethic, practice, 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 correct everything, teach everybody how to do it right until they get more and more good players on this team. It's Dave Ziegler's first chance. He starts off getting Devontae Adams, gives up two first-round picks. Now next year, what's, what's going to be his priority? I would think getting a star offensive lineman in the draft or in free agency or a trade? What will they do with their first-round pick? Will they trade their first-round pick? We don't know. We're sitting here, but they're putting in their plan, and hopefully people are patient with it. And no one was patient with it last week, and now there's a little bit of a win, so people are breathing a little bit easier. When we come back, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will join us, one of the smartest and sharpest minds that I know in football. Former play-by-play voice will jump in, and we'll go around the league with him from the Chargers and what they're doing in L.A., All the way out to Philadelphia, the only undefeated team in football. Did you have that? Did you think the birds, those dirty birds would do it? I didn't. And Philadelphia is undefeated at 4-0. We're brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Raiders, and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of Raider Nation. We appreciate Modelo for their proud partnership with us. The Rebels lead by 11 with three seconds to play. Kendrick back to throw, rolls to his right, looking, 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 still rolling. Now he's going to run. He's at the 50, 45, 40, out of bounds at the 35, and the game is over. The UNLV Rebels win again. That's the end of the fourth quarter. They improve to 4-1 and one with a very impressive come-from-behind 31-20 victory over the New Mexico Lobos. How about that? Rebels 4-1, who cashed their ticket going over that number. JT, back with you. Let's go around the league. The NFL with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, former NFL play-by-play voice and one of the sharpest guys I've ever met in any platform of media. 
And, Lee, let's start off with Kansas City's win last night at Tampa Bay. The way Kansas City lost to Indianapolis, did you think they'd have a bounce-back performance like that? I really thought they did because I thought they came out and played with tremendous fire. You know, and they, there's a lot of new pieces there in the post-Tyreek Hill era, and it's just going to take them some time to work in Juju Schuster-Smith to make the ex Steeler fit uh, and allow him to do what he does best. The same thing with Marcus Scantling, the ex-Green Bay backer. Kelsey's Kelsey to develop a second tight end. They're now three deep at running back. There's not a lot of conversation about this kid, Isaiah Pacheco, whom they drafted. Tell you what, he might push Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of a starting job. And, and defensively, I think athletically, they are much faster on the defensive side of the football. The Indianapolis upset, that was a stunner to me, but Indy's been involved in a stunner virtually every week so far this season. But Kansas City is the real deal, and as long as Mahomes is healthy, uh, they're going to be a danger. You know, the, the whole AFC West, uh, about three weeks ago, you and I were chatting, GT, on our notebook segment, and we talked about maybe toughest division. Well, now everybody in that division, aside from Kansas City, has got major problems. The Chargers with injuries, the Raiders with just not enough personnel, and then the whole Denver storyline is Russell Wilson, what Russell Wilson used to be, and does that coach deserve the set coaching job? Because there's huge questions about Nathaniel Hackett's game management and failures, and there's been a bunch of them along the way. So AFC West is not what we thought it would be, at least not right now, out of the gate. I would agree with you. Let's stay with Denver. I saw him yesterday in Vegas, and communication was an issue. When to attack? I mean, Russell Wilson, don't you have to move the pocket a little bit more for him and give him more more ability to attack downfield? I mean, the Raiders don't have a great defense downfield, and there were times that were running the ball without a purpose and really putting Russell Wilson in tough situations. This doesn't seem like there's a lot of chemistry between the head coach and the quarterback. How do you see it? Well, when you, when you trade for a star like that, do you not design your offense around what that star did really well in his prior place of employment, Seattle? And it's as if they're trying to make him a pocket passer. It's as if they're trying to make him Aaron Rodgers right now. And his, I mean, his ability is to move the pocket and create on the run and make one play come out of a bad play. Uh, now, they, I will say this. They've been beset by injuries. They have this, this great group of young wide receivers led by Cortland Sutton. But every one of the other wide receivers has been hurt. And, you know, they got rid of one of their tight ends in a trade to get Wilson from Seattle. And now now they lose Javante Williams, their heavy-duty explosive running back, which means the whole workload now falls on the veteran guy, Melvin Gordon. So there's just a lot of things don't fit. And the shocking aspect to me, Nathaniel Hackett is a longtime offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. His whole life has been on the offensive side of football. And I just do not understand the horrors of game mismanagement, down and distance, burn timeouts, delay a game, getting the plays called on huddle. This is this should not be happening for a guy that's been in the league and grown up in an offensive family his entire career. So yeah, I'm I'm really shocked. And the columnists in Denver, JT, are just going crazy. They're calling this a clown car head coach, uh, and rightfully so. And did they hire the right guy? Or that's a question you have to ask in Denver right now. Yeah, they're asking that. In the wrong direction. Yep, Hacksaw is our guest, uh, kind enough to join us. Uh, Lee, take me to Philadelphia at 4-0. The schedule's been a bit a little bit light. I've always been a Jalen Hurts guy because of his character, his strength, his arm strength, and his ability to run. I think they got a good guy. He's a winner, and I like that for the culture of Philadelphia. Now, they got some playmakers there now, too, and they can run the ball when they have to. Do you think they have enough defense to be a team that not only can win the East but can do some damage in the playoffs? 
I think they got a tremendous offense. That's item one. You know, first it was Devonta Smith joined Jalen Hurts, and then it was the big guy, A.J. Brown, coming in the trade from Tennessee, joining Jalen Hurts. And, you know, if they can keep Miles Sanders and Boston Scott healthy at running back, now suddenly they got more things to join Jalen Hurts. So there's no doubt in my mind that they've got a lot of firepower, and that quarterback has just grown and matured. When he first got there, it was back to throw, and I'm going to scramble at the first sign of trouble. Now it's now he's going to make plays, and if he doesn't see the play he wants, he'll move the pocket, and if he doesn't move the pocket correctly, then he'll run with the football. They, they are dynamic. Defensively, uh, they're going through transition, but I'll tell you what, when you got Jordan Davis and you got Fletcher Cox side-by-side, that's pretty good. Now, they lost Eric Barnett with, with the injury that first game of the season is a big blow. Might be a little bit wafer thin on the back seven, but Boy, they got firepower, and that's and that Nick Sirianni is a bright light guy. I mean, he he came from the old San Diego Chargers staff, and he's learned a lot. And I I just I think everything they have, especially on the offensive side of the football right now in Philadelphia, fits. And you know, I, I use the term beast in the East. You got Tua in Miami when they get him back on the field. You got everything that Josh Allen's got at the line of scrimmage in Buffalo, and you got Philadelphia. There's a lot of big boy football being played on the East Coast. Hacksaw is our guest. Want to want to get your opinion on the Vikings and what they did? I thought they got some help from the refs over in London in that game, and Dennis Allen was upset about it. You could tell that the Saints thought there were a couple of phantom PI calls and some holding calls late in that game, but that's a quality win for Cousins. It's not prime time Monday night, but it's global, nationally televised game here. And now the Vikings are three and one with the Packers. Handicap the North for me because the Bears and Lions aren't going to go anywhere else. Who do you like coming out at the end, Lee? Well, Kevin O'Connell's got them hitting on all cylinders offensively in Minnesota. I mean, it's the best start they've had in, I think, six or seven years mm-hmm. now. Uh, Dalvin Cook's a little bit banged up, but he's going to try to play through the shoulder problems. But you got Cousins throwing the football, and it used to be he'd throw to Adam Thielen. Now he's throwing to Justin Jefferson. Talk about big boy football. That is a tough guy to cover. And if they can come up with quality tight ends to catch the ball in addition to what Thielen and Jefferson do, wow, they're pretty good on offense. Uh, you know, they've gone through a real transition on defense. They've gotten rid of a lot of players on that side of the football. So over a 17-game schedule, I don't know if they've got enough defense to hold up. Green Bay is Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, is trying to drag that group of kid receivers and the newbies that he's got with him uh, to the NFL level on a consistent Sunday-by-Sunday basis. Some Sundays better than others. But they do have Aaron Jones, and they do have A.J. Dillon. And I think they got Real street fighters on defense led by Rashawn Gary. I think Green Bay's a really complete football team. If if Rodgers can get the kid receivers to do what they have to do every time they come off the line of scrimmage. Chicago, somebody needs to explain to me their blueprint. I mean, how in modern-day NFL football, JT, can you have a quarterback complete 11 passes a game? That's what Justin Fields is doing. Uh, they're heavy-duty running backs, but now David Montgomery's dinged up. That's a big issue. I think Bears going to have an awful season. And by the way, for fans in Chicago, winter's coming. Uh, and, and Detroit, they're making progress under Dan Campbell. Uh, the one thing he's been able to do, he's helping Jared Goff make the right decisions. When Goff was in L.A., JT, you know as well as I do, he'd stand there and make touchdown plays and then throw hard interceptions. Well, the interceptions have gone way down. They don't have a lot of sexy names on the, on the offensive side of the football. But if they can get DeAndre Swift back on the field and stay healthy at running back, the kid from church is going to complement everything Jared Goff has become. And on the defensive side, you better get ready to get punched in the mouth when you play Detroit because I think the Lions really play hard for Dan Campbell. Playoff team, 
Nah, not yet, but they're going to rise up and they're going to pop some people as we go through the course of this long schedule. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Lee, last one with all your years in football and all your relationships around the league, from the league office to head coaches. Tell me what you think is going to happen next with this concussion protocol after that ugly moment with Tua playing against Buffalo, clearly being concussed, the independent neurologist let go, and then what happened on Thursday night in Cincinnati. And now I'm seeing more and more players go into protocol, and I think it's going to be tougher for those players, rightfully so, to come out of protocol, and that's going to have an effect on scores in games if good players can't get out of protocol the way they could a year ago, two, five years ago. How do you see that one? Well, we had something happen during the summer that was kind of unique. The NFL, right at the end of training camp, put out a comprehensive look at, look at what happened with head injuries and concussions through all the mini camps and preseason games. And the concussions were down 50%, and everybody, everybody took the opinion the league is making some significant process. Well, that might be because of the Guardian helmet covers that these players were mandated they had to wear the first couple of three weeks of, of, of the preseason workouts, not in games, but in preseason workouts. So maybe the 50% reduction in concussions was a bit misleading. The game is big, it's physical, it's really violent. The hits that some of the quarterbacks are taking have just been savage. What happened with Tua in the first injury, when he hit his head on the back, I thought myself, he's got himself a concussion, and he wobbled coming off, but they said he had back spasms, which caused his legs to give out. I do know that he underwent concussion protocol exams every day after that first injury up to that Thursday night game, and he showed no signs at all of a concussion. Uh, He got whacked in the second one, and that was a really ugly helmet-to-the-turf hit. Uh, The the protocols have to be reevaluated. They fired the consultant. Uh, They have now put in place a three-man independent group of doctors that will study every exam of every player who was put into concussion protocol. So now you've got three people, three sets of eyes, looking at the evaluations. Um, can we change the game? I don't think we can change the game. It's just a big, fast, physical game. Where guys are going to get hit, and sadly, they're going to get hurt. And Unfortunately, two has become the poster boy for savage hits. I don't think there's head-hunting going on. I just, I just think it's what's going on. I do agree with you. Whatever guy that gets dinged now, it might be a little bit longer for him to come out of protocol. I don't know that this was malpractice in Miami. I don't know if it was malfeasance. I, I think this is such a gray area, such a complicated thing to work through. But now that you're going to have three consultants on all these concussions is really important, I think, for the player's behalf. And, and Tua is out indefinitely. He could be gone three weeks. He might be gone a long time. One of my longtime friends was the quarterback of the Chargers, Stan Humphreys, led him to the Super Bowl. His career ended the next year on one hit. One hit, he never came back. And, JT, you remember the picture of Frank Gifford lying on the turf right. after a heavy Philadelphia Eagle, Chuck Bednarik, leveled him. That ended a whole year for him. So I think the league is doing as much as they can. Uh, I, I know it's easy to jump on board and say, fire everybody, and everybody yells cover-up. I don't think that's happening, but... These are really complex injuries that you have to you have to evaluate extensively, and I I think I agree with you. Some of these guys may be held out an extra week, but I'd rather have an extra week to be safe than have something significant happen if the guy's put back on the field and gets nailed again. A must website for any sports fan: LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I have it up in front of me during every show I host. The information is endless. Lee, enjoy the Adirondacks. Take advantage of that. We'll talk to you soon. Last week was 100 degrees in my driveway, and by Friday they're projecting snow at my cottage in the middle of the night around. JT, talk to you again. Be well. 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Love having Lee on. He's super sharp. So what we both agree on is that if you go into concussion protocol, it could take you longer to get out. Look at Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro's in concussion protocol. I don't know when he's coming out. Uh, he needs to come out when he's ready, when he's comfortable, when he's ready, when the doctors approve. Lee made a good point on Tua. After all this that went down with the league, there's no way Tua's going to play for a couple of weeks, even if he's ready. I think if he gets fully cleared, the Dolphins are going to err on the side of caution with him. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to hurt this kid, but they need him to win. So what do you do going forward if you have a guy, a player, who clears concussion protocol? What are you going to do? Is the owner going to call down and say, hey, give him another week? No. No, they're going to want him to play because he's cleared. You have a neurologist who's independent. You have the team doctors. They clear him. They put him through all these tests. And then these players pass the test, and they're ready to play football. So I'm concerned about it. Denzel Perryman is a must player for the Raiders. He missed two games with an ankle, and now he's in concussion protocol. What happens because if the league is so strict on this topic just now these last couple of weeks that Perryman has to stay in protocol for another week? I don't know if that's the case. I hope it's not. But we'll have to sit back and wait and react to it. Uh, I'm just so proud of him because he works extremely hard and he has a great smile on his face every day. And, um, you know, for him, I think it was a career high for him also, which is huge. You know, if, if teams want to play, help on Devontae and things like that, then Josh and, you know, myself whenever I can. But that running game will only help, you know. Um, you know, in our offensive line, give them credit for opening those holes and the fullbacks, tight ends. Um, you know, some of those impacts that I saw when I would turn around were unbelievable, but some of the cuts Josh made today, I think there was one, a little zone run to the left, and he stopped, and he spun, and he went back up through it. I said, that's, that's, that's different. You know, he hit it, and he knew that there was a hole there, so he spun back into it and got and had a huge run and had an acceleration out of it, which was special. I like that. Derek knows in a game where he didn't throw a touchdown, he threw for less than 200 yards. It wasn't about him. It was about Josh Jacobs. And the scoop and score with Amik Robertson and Josh McDaniels getting his first win. That's the best of Derek. You know, when, when fans are critical of Derek and they talk to me in the parking lot or I see at the torch and people pull me aside, hey, what do you think of this or that? I say the same thing on Derek. Derek has to play great in order for the Raiders to win. So that's, that's about as critical as I'll get as Derek. And Derek knows what other people are saying. We all know that. All I say about Derek is he's got to play great in order for the Raiders to beat Kansas City, to beat some good teams that are out there that might be better than the Raiders on paper. And I want to see more great games from him. And even though he didn't throw for 200 yards and a touchdown, I thought this was a very important moment in the season. He likes the press. He likes the ability to run. He likes when people say, wow, man, you ran hard. You're a football player, not just a quarterback. You're a football player. You ran hard and you got it done. That's what we need to see from him. And we saw it in this game, and hopefully he, he can build on that. Because that's what Mahomes is going to do next Monday night, a week from tonight. Mahomes, there's going to be like a third and seven, and Kelsey's going to be double teamed, and the route's going to be two guys running deep crossing routes. No one's going to be open, and he's going to run. And the cornerbacks and safeties are going to be looking at the receivers, and Mahomes is going to pick up 21 yards, 18 yards. Derek's got to match that. Not exactly match it, but if Mahomes is going to do it three times a game, for 45 yards, 
Maybe Derek can do it twice a game for 17 yards, and it'll keep a drive going. So then on the next series or the next drive, Darren Waller can catch a touchdown in the red zone. What are my biggest concerns for the Raiders? Red zone offense, special teams. I thought special teams could have lost him the game yesterday. There were some special teams gaffes in that game yesterday that really could have cost the Raiders. I didn't support that onside kick, but I'm not the head coach. They must have saw something in, in the film where they thought they could take advantage of that, and then their ability to cover and tackle. And then the other thing is the soft cover zone, whatever they're doing over the top, the soft bracket coverage needs to be a little bit tighter early in games because it wasn't tight for the Titans, and at times Russell Wilson picked it apart. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Q is on deck with a big show as always. We debut our new podcast or record our new podcast tomorrow. Q, myself, and Lincoln Kennedy excited about that. My coach's interview on Thursday. And you can catch me tonight on Sirius XM 82 during Monday Night Football. I'll be on from 6 to 9 p.m. It's the Rams and the 49ers. The 49ers lose this one. They drop to 1-3 and three and the Rams go to 3-1. and one And the Niners will be chasing them all year. Big game tonight, Monday night, and hopefully Judge gets home run number 62. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening, as always.